Welcome to the Crowd Church Podcast. We are an online church and you are listening to the service that we also live stream on YouTube and Facebook. For more information about Crowd Church, please visit our website at www.crowd.church. Wow, good evening. Welcome to Crowd Church. Great that you're here. Merry Christmas. James, how are we doing? Merry Christmas, Matt. Yeah, doing all right. I do have COVID officially, but uh, actual symptoms are fairly minor. So that's the last that you'll hear me complaining about that. So. <laughs> but mate, you are a trooper trooping on with COVID. Wow. And I suppose this is where digital church works really well because we can be together in the same room and not wear masks. So I'm, we're okay. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. No, it's all, it's all, all good. There's plenty of people that have had it far worse than me. So, yeah, no, uh, great, great beauty of digital church, as you say. Absolutely. Stuff. Absolutely. So, yes, good evening. Welcome to Crowd Church. If this is your first time with us, Merry Christmas. It's great that you're here. We are an online church. Uh, Mark and James are hosting this evening, taking you through the next hour of Christmas deliciousness. Yes, we are. That's what we're going to be doing. Uh, and we will be regularly keeping you up to date with the Liverpool Tottenham score, just as a public service. Uh, so if you don't want to know the results, please look away from your screens now. That's the current scoreline. So, uh, but we'll, we'll keep you up to be fair, that could be anywhere. If I tell you, you need to do this. And then that. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I've done it the wrong way around. Yeah, yeah, so uh, my bad. So everyone's now totally confused who's got what, right? <laughs> There's been some goals, and currently, you know, we're, we're, we're doing all right. Yeah, and if you're watching from outside of the UK, or indeed outside of Liverpool, and could care less about football, we genuinely do apologise. Uh, when we do live uh, these live streams, occasionally there are football games on, and both James and I are quite avid Liverpool fans, so we do like to keep on top of what's going on, and we therefore yeah. feel the need to update everybody else. So please bear I have, however, space. just turned it off. I've, I've turned it off, Matt because of something that's happened. So I think we're just going to ignore that now. Best okay. to move on. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Point taken. Uh, so, yeah, welcome. Uh, this is Crowd Church. Like I say, we're going to go on for about the next 45 minutes, next hour or so. We are today asking, what does the Bible say about Christmas? Uh, so it just seems like a really sensible time to ask that question. I don't know why. It could be the Christmas lights around the screen, which you can see right now uh, is leading me to that. Uh, but yeah, welcome. Uh, and uh, well, James, what's going on today? Should we tell the good folks what's happening? Yeah, yeah. Well, we've got a, a guest speaker, some guy that's kind of, uh, you know, um, somehow muscled himself onto the crowd church live stream. But uh, <laughs> we've allowed him to do that. So he's called uh, Matt Edmondson. I think you might know him. He's yeah, having a little bit of a... A talk, uh, like you say, about about what uh, the Bible kind of has to say around that. Carrying on our our series around kind of what the Bible says around a whole load of things, which is going to be great. Um, and then we'll have a little bit of festive worship um, after that, and then a conversation street, which will be our chance, Matt, to sort of dig into some mm -hmm. of the, I suppose, the points that you raise and allow, you know, definitely allow the uh, the the listeners and the watchers to kind of jump in with their questions as well so please do make sure you give your comments across 
on uh, Facebook, on, on uh, YouTube, or, or however you want to put that through, or even the, the WhatsApp number, which is somewhere around there. Yeah. That. <laughs> well done. Like a professional. A festive, packed kind of hour of uh, good intellectual, well, I say intellectual, you know, depends on your level of, uh, of intellect, but um, a good level of chat around all of the Christmas kind of story and, and what that means to, to us today. Absolutely. No, it's going to be good. We're going to look forward to it. I'm just looking down the comments here. Um, Tracy, good evening. Uh, how are you doing? Hope you're doing all right. Amy, welcome. Uh, uh, good evening, Birchie, uh, Matt Cruz says. Sarah, hi, how are you doing? It's great that you're all here. Thanks for saying hi in the comments. Please do say hello to us. We, we do want to make sure evening. that you know. Yeah, evening all. It's, it's always nice when people come and say hi. How's it uh, in the comments? Um, Amy's actually watching on Facebook. Uh, not Facebook, YouTube. Uh, so yeah yeah it's good that both the youtube comments and the face can i just say right this is the first time i have ever hosted on crowd church and not been in charge of the technology and what what i mean by that is there is uh, you can't see him but the beautiful john farrington is behind the scenes as we speak he is he is making all the magic happen it's his first time doing that uh, and we've kind of thrown him in at the deep end with sort of 20 minutes worth of just push this button here and that button there and you'll be fine. Yeah. And, and so so it's a bit odd for me. It's a bit odd for John. So do bear with us uh, as we go through these things. So when I say things like, oh, Amy's watching on YouTube, uh, it's quite nice because all the comments are coming through. So I'm I, I'm glad the technology is working. Uh, yeah. And uh, and we're assuming that that we are broadcasting live it's not just you and me chatting to each other but yeah john farrington is a legend and he he is doing a great job so uh thanks john yeah yeah absolutely so we are we are working our way through a series called what does the bible say about now um this is where we take some of the bigger questions you know we've talked about things like what does the bible say about science what does the bible say about the environment and we've kind of got into that uh, during the talks. And so for today's talk, we are asking the question, what does the Bible say about Christmas? Uh, it's, it's a fairly interesting topic to get into, very relevant for now. So without further ado, John, let's roll the uh, what does the Bible say about Christmas talk? So what does the Bible say about Christmas? This seems like a rather apt question to ask at this time, this holiday season. Now, let me start off by saying I absolutely love Christmas. 
You may have guessed this already. It's my favorite time of the year. I love getting into the Christmas spirit, whatever that means. I love the festivities. I love the celebration of Christmas. I, of course, love and enjoy the obligatory Christmas jumper uh, and putting up the Christmas tree. I just love doing that with a family. It's a tradition in our house, right? But aside all that, I'm also a Christian. So I celebrate Christmas because it talks about Jesus, about him coming as a baby. It's about a time of peace, a time of hope and the beginning of eternal life, which peace, hope, eternal life. Throw all that together in the mix. We've got gifts. We've got trees. We've got jumpers. I just love Christmas. Right. It's the time uh, I just get into it. Right. It's my favorite time of the year. But what does the Bible say about Christmas? What really happened all those years ago? What is myth? What is just Christmas traditions? What actually happened? Was there, for example, a splendid Christmas tree behind Mary with a star as she gave birth to Jesus in a stable? Is Christmas just a pagan thing? And what about Santa Claus? Did he deliver gifts to Jesus at his birth? All great questions. So let's go through uh, today's reading from the Gospel of Luke, which talks about the birth of Christ. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinus was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for him at the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy and will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a saviour who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into the heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. So this is Luke's account, right, of what happened at the birth of Christ. Uh, And it's read throughout many churches every year. You may have heard it before. I know I have, right? The trouble is, when I hear it, I hear it through the the Christmas, the Christmas traditions that I've grown up with. I hear the I hear the story 
through the lens. The main one being the traditional Christmas nativity. Now, if you grew up in the UK or in the West, then the chances are strong that you have not only seen a nativity, uh, but that you may well have taken part in a nativity, especially at school. You know, it's the play where everybody brings a tea towel to wear on their heads just in case. The outline's pretty straightforward and not too dissimilar to what we read in the Bible, but there are some differences. Mary, so this is the nativity. See if you can spot what happens, right? Mary and Joseph travel to Bethlehem. Mary is pregnant and so gets to ride on the donkey with Joseph walking next to her. After the long trip, they arrive at the inn, knock on the door, only to be told they have no room. They are full. But out of pity, the innkeeper lets Mary use the stables that their animals use. So Mary gives birth to the Lord Jesus Christ, a baby that does not cry ever. She gives birth in the stables to Jesus. Now, Joseph in this story, he doesn't really do anything, does he? Uh, the shepherds hear from the angels in the field, which is where the majority of cast is. You're either a shepherd or an angel, right? Uh, and then you have the three wise men turning up with the gold, frankincense and myrrh. And this whole play usually takes place uh, in front of a Christmas tree with fake gifts wrapped underneath, probably left uh, by Santa as the story of Jesus Christ and Santa Claus sort of intertwine. Now, when done at school with your kids, this traditional nativity, I think, is pretty cute and definitely worth watching. The only trouble is... It's not really accurate. It's based more on cultural tradition than the Bible. For example, the wise men. How many wise men are there in the traditional Christmas nativity? Three. And they turn up at Jesus' birth with gold, frankincense and myrrh. The trouble is, we do not know how many wise men there were. We know the gifts they bought. And they probably turned up when Jesus was about two. Not at his birth, right? So our traditional nativity, whilst cute, like I said, is not entirely accurate. So what is the real Christmas story? And it's actually quite important, if I'm honest, because if a lot of our understanding about Christianity, about Jesus, about Christmas, is based on our cultural tradition, rather than what the Bible actually records about it, rather than about what happens, we can miss some of the awe and wonder of Christmas. So key to the story, of course, is Mary and Joseph. Now, traditionally, we have understood that Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem with Mary on a donkey. She was pregnant when they arrived. They, they sort of go to this commercial inn, like a motel, but they're turned away and had to find space in a stable or a cave. The truth is quite different, though, because we know that from the passage that was read in Luke, Mary and Joseph were actually returning to Joseph's home village where he was known and he could have easily found shelter because he knew the people. And hospitality was a big, big deal for those living in the Middle East at the time and actually still is. Now, Mary... She also has relatives living close by. So we have to ask, did a Jewish town fail to help a young Jewish mother about to give birth as tradition dictates? It doesn't sound right, does it, when we put it that way? So let's look a little bit more closely at the inn. What is this inn that had no room? 
Why was there no room there, right? So to answer this question, we first have to look at what a typical Palestinian home looked like at the time, okay? Now, we have the family room, which is where the family would live and sleep and cook and eat. Everything happened in a single room, right? But annexed to that room uh, would be the stable, okay? And the owner of the house would bring his animals into that stable at night to stop them from getting stolen. But also, and maybe more importantly, to bring heat to the house. Animals are like living radiators. And so there was no dividing wall between the stable and the main room where the family lived. All you had between the two things was the wooden mangers, which you would have seen in traditional nativities, which animals would have fed from. There would also have been, to, to a number of these houses, uh, there would have been a guest room annexed to the house, okay? And it is this room that Luke refers to when he says there was no room at the inn. It's not a commercial inn, like a motel with a no vacancy sign, but rather it was a private guest room at somebody's home. You see, they would always build their houses with the main family room, the stable and a guest room for the sole purpose of hospitality. But that guest room was full. So what does all of this mean? Well, if Joseph relied on friends for accommodation then, and their guest room was already occupied, those friends would have received Mary and Joseph into the main family room. There was no room in the inn. The guest room was full. Come into the main family room. And the room would have been cleared because Mary was pregnant, especially of men, right? Men wouldn't have been there. The village midwife would have come in and helped deliver the child. And so you can see why Jesus would have maybe been laid in a manger if this was the case, right? The manger was already in the family room. The animals fed from it. So put a bit of fresh straw in there. You've got an instant cot. This means that the village wasn't a bunch of folks who could have cared less about Mary and Joseph, you know, and uh, Joseph was not an inept husband for being unable to find even basic accommodation. This is a story of hospitality and welcome at the start of Jesus's life, which, if I'm honest, I think is amazing. Jesus, Mary and Joseph are relying on the kindness of people to help them deal with this part of their life. It's why I think our Christmas dinner table should be a place of hospitality and kindness. I don't know who the family was that inconvenienced themselves for Mary and Joseph to come in. Because we don't often know these sort of hidden heroes, do we? We can inconvenience ourselves, we can show kindness, and we can open our house at Christmas time to those who need it. And often that story is not told. The newspapers don't send a reporter around to our house. They don't print it on the front page, do they? Uh, but it's the right thing to do. It's what starts the Christmas story. So by misunderstanding this whole no room at the inn phrase, we can often think of Mary and Joseph as outcasts, rejects, shunned by their own people. And in so doing, we miss the fact no room at the inn simply means hospitality and it means welcome. It means that somewhere in history, an amazing family inconvenienced themselves 
and welcome Mary and Joseph into their main family room at Christmas time. This kind family for me, right, is it's the first group of people that I want to look at, right? This, the, the second group, though, in the Christmas story worth looking at. Well, that's the shepherds, the ones, you know, who kind of washed their socks at night and wore tea towels on their heads. You know who I mean, right? The shepherds. So think about it. The shepherds were the first recorded people to hear about the birth of Christ. So why pick those guys? Jesus, the Messiah, the saviour of the world, the coming king, God himself, Emmanuel, God with us, has just been born and the whole of human history will be unalterably changed. And the first people God tells about it is a group of shepherds. And it's not just the fact that God tells the shepherds. It's also the way he tells the shepherds. It's the way he delivers this message. God uses angels. Now, John Harding did a talk about this last week when he looked at what does the Bible say about angels. A talk definitely worth checking out if you've not heard it. And what started out, right, as one angel kind of turns into this whole host of angels appearing across the sky singing, which is, let's be real, it's a pretty radical way to deliver a message, isn't it? I mean, it's not an email. It's not a text message, that's for sure. We have the most incredible news delivered in the most incredible way. So just exactly who were the shepherds to deserve this honour? Because logic would dictate they must have been really, really important people. Well, the truth is, we don't really know anything about them, which I personally find quite surprising, given the momentousness, is that the right word, of this occasion. And what's even more surprising, actually, is their social status. See, whilst we don't know about this, uh, these specific shepherds, what we do know is shepherds weren't celebrities of their time. They weren't the influencers, of, the influencers on Instagram. They weren't wealthy merchants. They were often classed as unclean and outcasts. Yet despite this, God delivers a message to the shepherds first. The Bible account tells us that they were afraid when the angel appeared to them, which... Let's be real, it's, it's understandable, right? I think I'd poop myself a little bit if an angel from heaven appeared with the glory of the Lord shining all around him. And then that turned into a whole host of angels, right? But the shepherds would have also have been really nervous about what the angel told them to do. They told them to visit the child, right? Go visit the child. But why would that make them nervous? Why would visiting a newborn make them nervous? nervous. Well, if you are at the bottom of the social ladder, and if you are classed as unclean, which is what the shepherds were, then you are pretty much an outcast of society. Kenneth Bailey, who is an expert in all of this sort of stuff, tells us this. From their point of view, if the child was truly the Messiah, the parents would reject the shepherds if they tried to visit him. And the angels in the story sort of seem to anticipate this. And so they give the shepherds some key pieces of information, 
right? That Jesus would be wrapped and that, uh, which is something that peasants did with their newborns. They wrapped their kids uh, and that Jesus was also lying in a manger, which the shepherds would have instantly understood that Jesus was born in an ordinary family home, just like their own. And he wasn't born in some governor's mansion somewhere that would have rejected them. So this is all interesting. But why is it important? God announces Jesus's birth in the most glorious of ways to rejected peasants looking after their sheep. And in that story, we see acceptance. You see, the story of Christmas is that God accepts all. There's no division in his eyes between the peasant and the wealthy or gender or race or nationality or intelligence or Instagram influence or celebrity status or even marital status. The gospel, the story of Christmas is good news for all of us because in that story, God accepts all of us just as we are. What does the Bible say about Christmas? Well, it doesn't say a lot about Christmas trees or snow or Christmas carols or even Christmas jumpers. We have those traditions now, right? We, some of them are good. Some of them maybe not so good. But the Bible does talk about acceptance, about good news, about inclusivity, about hospitality, about welcome. All the things that God of heaven demonstrates to us because of the birth of Jesus Christ. In a small house 2,000 years ago, a family welcomed Mary and Joseph into their home. And in that home, a baby was born and they met Jesus. The outcasts were invited along to also meet Jesus. And when they all met Jesus, they were all overjoyed and they praised God, is what the Bible tells us. And I tell you what, that still happens today when we meet Jesus and welcome him into our homes, into our families. We become overjoyed and we start to praise God. It's why we sing songs of praise and hymns of praise in our church services, because we see life through a different lens. We see things differently. We see the love of God. We see the kindness of Christ and it changes us and it's beautiful. Christmas then is a story of hope. It is a story of redemption, a story of grace. It's about God's intervention in the suffering of humanity in which he shows his unequivocal love and his open arms and acceptance towards us. So after all of that, all I can really say is Merry Christmas. Bill. Thanks, Matt. That's some great stuff there um, that we're going to get into shortly in Conversation Street. Loads of really interesting things I've made a note of, um, stuff I've never really thought about before. And there's some great comments through uh, already coming through the channels. Thank you for that. So if you, I think if you've got any other questions or observations, then uh, please keep kind of adding those to the chat. Uh, we're going to have a, a kind of a Christmassy worship song now, a fairly new one, might be new to some of you. I think it was played last week for the first time, Baby Son. Uh, put together by John and Anna and the team. Uh, so just take some time now to have a lis listen to this and kind of look at some of the words and uh, we'll be right back after this. Cheers. We thought you'd come 
with a crown of gold, a string of pearls, and a cashmere robe. We thought you'd clinch an iron fist and rain like fire on the politics, but without a sword. No armored guard, common born in mother's arms. The government now rests upon the shoulders of this baby son. Have you no room inside your heart? The inn is full, the out is dark. But upon profane shines sacred sun. Not ashamed to be one of us, but without a sword, no armored guard. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Love that track. I, and yeah, I may have changed my jumper to a shirt, the Liverpool shirt. You, you, I mean, I don't know where to start with that. I mean, it, it's a Liverpool <laughs> shirt, so that's good. Um, and we won't talk about the match, although I think we sort of, yeah. I think we looked at least, at least we didn't lose, eh? That's but um, yeah, that is an interesting shirt that. I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot going on there, Matt. <laughs> and I've got my Christmas T-shirt underneath it as well. Just to, yeah. You know, I, if you've been following us from the start, I may have changed my sweater on several several occasions. Uh, this was actually a gift to me from the talented uh, Nicola Morris, who is on the live stream right now. Uh, thank oh, you, Well, Nicola. big shout out to Nick. That's really great to uh, that she's on, on on the live stream. And yeah, I I start with my jumper and scarf which i'm beginning to regret now because i think i'm gonna collapse in a minute. Um, i haven't got anything <laughs> at festive underneath and 
And no one needs to see anything else. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 there's kids watching, James. Let's, um, yeah, you know, let's, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, man. Very good. Very good. Very good. Interesting, so, interesting talk. Yeah, it was. Eh? I, I mean, and not just because I did it. I, I, uh, I mean, that obviously has a slight part to play in it. But I, I, I enjoyed doing that talk. Um, yeah. Because it, it just. The the thing about Christmas and thinking about Christmas and the story of Christmas, uh, you you do have to question what is tradition, and what is actually real, uh, and and there are some things which actually I'd never really fully understood, like the whole thing um, of the no room at the inn. I remember the first time I actually realised what was going on there and what it meant. It was and it means the complete opposite of what we've taken it to mean over the years. Yeah, I was like, man alive, that's 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 quite cool. So um and very challenging. So just you know, it's challenging to me who've we got coming around at Christmas, how are we being hospitable, you know, and it's it's all those kind of things, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. I enjoyed doing it, James. I'm not gonna lie. No, that's good. And that's definitely something I've not really thought about before. I think I think the the no room at the inn in is such a, a a traditional theme, isn't it? And, and it, it can be often spun to say that Jesus was kind of, I suppose, a bit of an outcast, which I suppose mm. later in his life and through his teachings and ultimately leading up to kind of his death and, and you know, the Easter story is um, mm. is a big part of the theme. And therefore, probably us connecting that with this sort of sense of um, that family not feeling welcome, you know, at the time of his birth, we've mm. probably probably put one and one together and come up with three, I'd imagine, um, because it seems to fit a bit of a narrative. Yeah. Um, but, but that was fascinating. And I suppose um, the other thing that we all do, which I, I'm definitely guilty of, is that we westernise Christmas, don't we? Yeah, we do. Yeah, oh, we, you know, we're doing it now with you know jumpers and, and you know Christmas cards that have got snow in them, when in reality, I guess the chances of snow in um, Bethlehem were pretty limited. <laughs> uh, do you think? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's not a big deal for me. You know, I, I like the traditions of Christmas. It makes me go, oh, I'm not going to celebrate. But you know, even Tracy on the on the live stream says about visiting the Holy Lands. And, you know, I've yeah. not done that. But I'd imagine to truly visualise that um, really helps you to sort of understand a bit more about the culture. And, and I, I found your diagrams really fascinating um, of the of, of the um, of the house. A bit, little bit like Cluedo. Um, yeah, <laughs> I was it wondering. Was, if, Josh you know, Catchpole there, did you know, that. I have to thank Josh Catchpole for his technical wizardry. Yeah, it was good. Is there a shortcut? Yeah, you know, a, a secret passageway between the, the inn and <laughs> yeah, like a secret tunnel, <laughs> the stable. But yeah, to 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 properly kind of understand that, and therefore it become much more about hospitality and welcome. I think it is is huge. Um, yeah, I think it's a big deal. I think it's massive. Like you say, James, that actually the Christmas story starts with that, uh, yeah. and that's I think what what it wants to to tell us. That and the the two key things for me was uh, that I wanted to bring out this week were that and the the, the shepherds. You know that God yeah. announces this first to the shepherds, um, yeah. which I which I find absolutely incredible because it's the complete yeah. opposite of what we would do. I mean, I you know I do digital marketing. It's what we you know we 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 run online businesses. We think marketing quite a lot, and it's kind of like, okay, well you know this whole thing of influencer marketing right now, super trendy. Let's get influencers involved to 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 shout out on Instagram about how cool we are. 
And, yeah. um, you know, you, you listen to stories of like Nike, how they, you know, their whole fortune turned around when they signed Michael Jordan. Do you remember years ago and how all of a sudden yeah, yeah. Uh, Jordans became like the thing in the 80s? And you kind of like this whole influencer marketing thing is it's very, it's very real. It's very commonplace in our society, yeah. but it's not what God did. And I find it absolutely fascinating. Yeah, uh, that that was but, that was. Yeah, not but like case. you say, um, to completely flip it and and show, I suppose, right from the right from day one, Jesus's whole life um, was all about kind of um, meaning that it goes against any sort of level of kind of uh, status within mm. society, and and actually him being available for everybody, and and the fact that yeah, the shepherds were considered probably pretty kind of uh low on the pecking order i think it, yeah uh, that's, isn't it and um and that's something that probably comes through a bit more as a, as a theme that has managed to survive the test of time isn't it uh, i think the fact that you know um jesus appears and, and, and is welcomed by by shepherds and obviously <laughs> the whole thing about the angels appearing to them uh that is mind-blowing as well i suppose in yeah. terms of their whole journey so yeah i, th I think that's a really cool um theme to just continue remembering you know god's acceptance for all is massive isn't it yeah it is it is i'm just reading the comments here sorry claire's put in the comment it's actually really refreshing and exciting to raise kids here in morocco so i guess you're watching from morocco claire which is awesome uh, merry christmas uh, which is generally much closer to jesus culture um and doesn't have all the commercialism my kids completely understand part of the house that is for the fancy guests <laughs> and the other part where the animals are because they have friends in the mountains who houses are exactly like that even still to this day that's, that's yeah. amazing yeah that is that, amazing. that's that is yeah i think i think um and it is something that yeah the west has taken over christmas hasn't it i suppose um you know in in many ways and it, it's kind of uh created this other version but that, i think it's huge and that that story i think needs to be you know and that visualization of what that uh kind of first christmas was like definitely needs to be understood by more it's it's certainly passed mm. me by i must admit you know over the years mm. so a great experience for claire and her family to be truly kind of visualizing what that looks like Oh, yeah. And Claire, I'd say if you ever get a chance to take a photo of one of those houses, please send it through because I would love to see yeah. it, um, you know, if that's possible with technology. I, I genuinely would. Uh, that would that would be fascinating. See, Sharon's put here, amazing. I've been to Morocco and loved it. And that's true, Claire. My wife is a big fan of Morocco. Uh, and, yeah. you know, uh, you, you, yeah, I'll leave you to trade stories um, is what I'll do. Uh, so <laughs> one of the questions, I mean, talking about, you know, the West taking over Christmas a little bit, uh you get we've had some interesting questions come in um over the christmas period now as you know we have questions coming in, in the comments through the live stream which is great and you know if you've got any questions yeah. keep them coming and uh, maybe gonna... yeah, we, there's one about santa maybe we should get back to that at the end yeah um, maybe, <laughs> maybe or not uh, when, when when the kids aren't watching uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, i've got a story um, about that that i'll tell you if there's time but yeah we'll, we'll, okay. we'll come back oh, we'll do that one we'll do that one um so yeah so you know we we we've got the questions which come in through the live stream so do write your questions down but we also have questions which come in through the week they come in via text message we have questions on social media uh emails all kinds of things that come in and also uh, just you know we can see what people are searching for on the web and all that kind of stuff so one of the questions um 
talking about the West is does the Bible talk about a Christmas tree? Because that's on all the Christmas cards. And actually, if you go into my front, I'm well behind you, James, let's use behind you. You have what can only be described as a glorious Christmas tree. It, it's uh, it's a it's yeah, it's bright. It's, it's real. Uh, <laughs> I nicked it out of uh, my daughter's bedroom to make the background look slightly more festive. Christmassy. <laughs> and say, it's precariously it's... balanced on a, on a top of the sofa, which, yeah, it, it could easily disappear. Okay. It, maybe okay. it'd be symbolic if it fell over. And then in, <laughs> you know, almost like a felling of, of commercialization. Yeah. Just... <laughs> we'll take it as a sign. As a sign. Yeah. Um, Christmas trees. What do we think? Christmas trees in the boat. Now, the reason why this is a really interesting question, let me read this out to you. Uh, this, it's, there is a passage, a very obscure passage. I can't say it's obscure. There is a passage buried deep in the Bible uh, that is often cited in the book of Jeremiah that um, references uh, cutting down trees, chiseling the wood to make an eye, uh, chiseling the wood um, and bringing them into the homes and decorating them. So there is a, a script. There is something in the Bible which says, "Do not cut down trees, do not decorate them, and do not bring them in the home." Which I have done this Christmas. Now, this um, I find absolutely fascinating because usually you can mm. find very obscure verses in the Bible. To you know, if you just take one verse out of context, you can you can make it say anything. Uh, but this passage refers to cutting down trees, chiseling the woods, and turning them into idols. Idols, if you ever read the Bible, are never good. They're just not good. God's not a big fan of idols. He's like, no, I'm God. Let's just, let's just leave it there. So I think if you take it out of context, um, it's talking more about idol worship. Whereas I don't, I don't know. I don't perceive a Christmas tree to be idol worship myself. I have to be honest. No, I, I would agree. <laughs> I, you know, I try to be balanced here rather than just going, yeah, that's rubbish. Uh, yeah, try to be balanced because some people may do feel mm. that. Uh, and, you know, that's a valid opinion. I'd argue in, in your in your living room, there's probably a bigger idol than the Christmas tree right now, and it's probably the TV, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Really, that's very good. Really. And so, arguably, the Christmas tree detracts us from the TV and makes us feel about think about Christmas. So, so maybe it's a good thing. But um, yeah, yeah, I I think it's a uh, an interesting line in the Bible that um, yeah, I don't really understand that. I'll be honest. Mm. Um, I'm sure it was relevant at the time, as were a lot of things that probably yeah. things have moved on culturally now, and we just kind of go, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. No, I thought it was because at first I was like, well, I, I, you know, is, is it does the Bible talk about Christmas trees? And I'm like, this is just a really interesting question. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's amazing what people sort of find out and discover, and yeah. I, I think that's um, that's quite extraordinary. Claire's put here in the comments; she's going to send us a photo next time she's up there. Fab. Thank you, Claire. Much appreciated. I will look forward. Send it to that that number you see on the screen there, that WhatsApp number. That would be great. Um, Very cool. So uh, is Christmas rooted in paganism? Go, James. I'll leave this one to you. I'm just going to sit here like this. Well, with my extensive knowledge of this subject, um, so take take it with a pinch of salt. I don't know. I suppose there's Christmas traditions probably are. Um, and I don't necessarily think that's a, a bad thing. I'm not saying I agree with paganism, but I think some of the traditions probably are, aren't they? Um, and let's face it, I think everything about what we experience has been created by um, humans kind of creating traditions, whether it's kind of uh, in this country or, or, or it's been sort of 
taken from other cultures and adapted and sort of extended. So, um, yeah, I, I would imagine there probably are some elements there. Um, and I don't think that the mass commercialization of it all is right, but um, I'm certainly not the person that would say, you know, you shouldn't celebrate and, and you shouldn't give gifts and all the rest of it, because I think I think done in the right way, the coming to, you know, if we talk about the hospita- hospitality and the welcome, you know, in our current culture, that is coming together, it's sharing, it's giving, it's food, it, you know, it, it's that whole, that's how we, I suppose, we represent hospitality yeah. and isn't it but um yeah I, I guess back in the day probably um there would have been some controversial decisions made that were maybe more clearly aligned to paganism and and, and different beliefs that uh, perhaps over the years have just become a bit watered down but um you know I, it's a, a hugely probably contentious topic that i'm not really equipped to answer <laughs> so that's my that's my 10 pence worth that no, I think I think your ten pence worth is a very good value as well. I think it's, it's a very good value for ten p. Well done. Um, I, I and I would agree. I think um, I think it's hard uh, to understand what is entirely pagan and what has grown up with Christmas. Uh, what has grown up in tradition over the years. I can tell you because my notes here tell me this that uh, Christmas was not known as a holiday until the third century, when Pope Julius the first picked December the twenty fifth as the annual date to celebrate Christ's birth uh, on the Georgian calendar. Uh, supposedly having Jesus' birthday, December 25th, would allow Christians to still participate in the Roman festivals, um, which were pagan. Now, this is where there's a bit of contention, because obviously the, the Romans uh, were were celebrating some of the pagan festivals, as and Christians obviously, you know, uh, Christianity was a big impact in Rome. There was this sort of kind of crossover. Um, uh, what is also interesting, what I didn't realize was it was not until the sixth century, the end of the sixth century, the holidays and its traditions had spread to the UK. So Christmas came to England in the sixth century. Um, uh, on a Coca Cola lorry, holidays are coming, other drinks are available as season chips. Yeah, they are. And (laughs) I mean, but I love love that advert, that's a good advert. I'm not saying anything about. The company itself and like you yeah say. i don't know if this is true and i probably should research it one day whether this is some kind of old wives tale that i've sort of succumbed to but i was told that santa claus used to traditionally dress in green and yeah, he was yeah. changed to red because of coca-cola i don't know I've, if that's I've true heard, i've heard that true uh, as well i've heard that um and i wouldn't be surprised it's no. like uh, going back to your influencing and your kind of your, your marketing comments from earlier, you know, hugely influential. So it makes, does make sense. And I think yeah, there does. have been some very early, early sort of, um, let's say, photos or not, obviously not the real Santa, but I think early depictions of Santa mm. were in green. Yeah. It's it, maybe Red was his awakening. Uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe and is this way more than his home yeah no, that's fair play so um yeah maybe you know the if you're watching if you know the answer to that question do write it in the comments sharon's put here christmas traditions are quite strange in that there are things that we do every year like having christmas trees but we don't know why we do them that's yeah. a really interesting point actually uh, and there are things that we do just because they are traditional. We don't really question why i know why we put the star on the top of the christmas tree obviously that is the star of bethlehem 
uh, yes. that the wise men followed. I get that. I get the lights. I get why we light candles because Jesus is the light of the world. And I don't think you can really understand Christmas until you get that. Do you know what I mean? That Jesus is the light of the world. Uh, and so I get why we do candles. I get why we do Kris Kringles. I get that. That makes a lot of sense. But yeah, things like Christmas trees, I just like them. I just like them. And there was a question about the star of Bethlehem, wasn't there? Um, I suppose linked to maybe the wise men, um, because I think, am I right in saying, Matt, that the visitors that we call the wise men or the three kings, that wasn't possibly uh, till a kind of couple of years after Jesus was born? Is that the sort of general gist of it? And they, did, yeah. they follow, did they follow an obvious star in the sky? Yeah, that's a really good question. So there were there were a couple of things that came up about the wise men, um, which I've always found fascinating. Uh, so they didn't, they weren't there at Jesus's birth. We do know that much, um, and it was more likely to be a few years later uh, that they came uh, to seek Jesus out. Um, we don't. Uh, we we call that we in my head. I've got that song going. I don't know if you've got we three kings of Orient. Yeah. Uh, uh, apparently, they weren't kings. We don't know if they were royalty, but it was very unlikely that they were kings. It was very we, unlikely. One. Well, I say, do we even know they were wise men? I mean, what? There's a shortage of wise men. I think <laughs> they were the only ones that ever existed. <laughs> I think I think wisdom has been watered down over the years. You know, I think so. Probably to say. Just three blokes. <laughs> yeah. Nothing well, there's a big question. Actually, there's, there's no well, evidence there was three. Yeah, well, there's no evidence there was three. There were three gifts. We know Frank's gold, uh, frankincense, gold and myrrh. I just think what yeah. they were from it then. Um, and so we you, assume you that they were. mess it up by going frankincense first and then you, the whole kind yeah. of gold, frankincense, myrrh just disappeared. Yeah, just yeah. didn't roll off the tongue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So we know that there weren't three of them. The star is interesting because I, I did look that up a little bit. It talks about it in Matthew's gospel um, in chapter two. So it says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Notice it didn't say three. Uh, for they, they, they saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So they knew that they needed to come to worship him. A few verses later, it says, after listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. So we've interpreted that on our Christmas cards as there was a star in the sky which kind of guided them and just kind of stopped yeah. over the house where Jesus was somehow. Do you know, I, I, yeah. I, anyway, there was... Question that. <laughs> yeah, literally I mean, over I, the house. Yeah, it's like there it was. This this big ball of. I don't know. Maybe it was only um, the estate. Yeah. <laughs> the the neighbourhood. I don't yeah. know. Uh, so there is uh, the scientists have looked into this, uh, wondering what this could have been. Um, so an astronomer called Michael Molnar has written a book called The Star of Bethlehem. And he said, and I quote, nothing in science is ever case closed, uh, nor is it in history. We may never know if the star of Bethlehem was a conjunction, which basically means when planets align in the sky, you get this sort of super bright star in the sky. Uh, whether it was an astrological event or a fable to advance Christianity, maybe, just maybe, it was simply 
a miracle. Uh, and so that's maybe the route I'm going to go down. Whatever yeah. it was, it obviously worked for those I think, fellas. I think for me, it works either way, doesn't it? Because it's not, I don't think my Christian faith balances on, you know, the, the specific facts of that star and kind of whether it was or whether it wasn't. But um, yeah, it, it's a, it's an interesting conversation to have. Um, and yeah, I think, I guess if angels appeared, maybe it was a, yeah, it, it could be something similar to that. Yeah, it could be. It could be. Uh, and we and we just don't know. What Sharon put here, from my understanding, there were pagan celebrations in December, but celebrating Jesus' birth in December was started on purpose by Christians, which is true, because it's likely yeah. that G we do know that Jesus wasn't born December 25th and because the shepherds wouldn't have been out washing their socks by night during the winter months, that much we do know. Uh, so it's more than likely spring uh, from what we can understand. Anyway, so we decided to start celebrating Jesus' birth in December. It started on purpose by Christians. So I would say that Christmas wasn't originally a pagan celebration, but there were pagan celebrations around at the time, which is a very good way of looking at it. And somehow some of the traditions have sort of seeped into yeah. it. Well, they obviously were celebrating, you know, schools breaking up and, and you know, snow days and all the rest of it so a bit of a christmas kind of add-on at the end i'm joking yeah uh, but yeah I, that, that 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 makes sense i think it seems plausible and particularly if i guess the uh the western church was wanting to kind of push more kind of uh kind of christian tradition in into sort of the day-to-day the -day life of, of this kind of attending church so it probably makes sense yeah and i yeah. think that's been good well, no absolutely absolutely she has clarified i don't know if i'm right it's what i'm thinking. <laughs> yeah that, so that's i'm just going to say for any, for any fact isn't it <laughs> yeah it is it is but uh given the fact that it, it is my wife i can attest uh, that sharon is always right okay well that's 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 good <laughs> no brilliant absolutely brilliant good. so uh, I, hope you, I hope you got something out of that. Is it even biblical to celebrate Christian, uh, Christians? Is it, no, don't celebrate. Is it biblical to celebrate Christmas? Should Christians celebrate Christmas was one of the questions that we had. And part of that is because there is this argument that Christmas is rooted slightly in paganism. We don't know when Jesus' birth was, birth was, so how can we celebrate his birthday? Um, and actually the Bible uh, doesn't tell us anywhere to go and celebrate Christmas. Um, but... For me, the reason why I celebrate Christmas is when the shepherds found out about it, they did, right? When we read that story, they were all over that, uh, like a chicken on a bug, like a friend would say to me. Uh, and so uh, Romans 14 verse 5 says, One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. And I think what I draw from this, and I don't know about you, James, what I draw from this is, listen, I personally am comfortable with what I know to celebrate Christmas in the way that I celebrate it in a way that I think personally is honoring to God. I don't think I'm violating any commands of scripture. If I am, then I feel like at some point I will, uh, God will reveal that to me. Sure. But if you don't feel comfortable celebrating Christmas because of the things that you've talked about, then God bless you. I have no drama with that at all, uh, because just as we've read there in Romans, each one of us should be fully convinced in our own mind and we'll celebrate it or not celebrate it however we deem fit. Now, yeah. I want to hear your story about Santa. Well, firstly, I think John needs to move Matt's last comment. Uh, so there needs to be moderation there because um, that's <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of issues. 
it may be too late uh, <laughs> but no on that one uh i think we had a discussion in our house i think keone was i want to say seven and um, just so you know keone is james's daughter james uh, yes yeah, she's now 19 so uh and yeah, driving yeah, and driving and everything um so i think there have been some discussions at school in the playground around maybe the the reality of santa or not shall we say and and uh, so there have been a bit various discussions and then someone in the playground clearly wanting to mix it up had suggested that santa wasn't real which obviously caused a lot of children like Kiri to come home with big questions to mm -hmm. ask in the run-up to christmas so uh, i think we'd been having some discussions around sort of speaking the truth and kind of uh you know that sort of you know around the evening meal deal of truth where you can ask any question and you'll get an honest answer so we, we, we sit having those chats and i think uh later on in the evening keone sort of said to me oh uh, you know i really need to know if he's real because i'm getting teased at school for saying he's real mm. but if he's not i want you to tell me and don't lie yeah, you're kind of going, oh man, that's a that's a heavy question, isn't it, for a parent? So, uh, so I, on my own, Sally will add. Sally wasn't in the room at the time. I, I said to her, but it's nice to believe. And, and man, all hell broke loose. Then there's wailing. Sally comes upstairs. What have you done? And I just explained it to her, and she was like, Why would you say that? <laughs> So we go out of the room and I get told off uh, yeah, and uh, come back in to Keone going, what about the tooth fairy? And then, and then we basically <laughs> go through this whole list of things. And then she's in a, in a mess on the floor going, is nothing real? <laughs> well, um, so yeah. You told me. Yeah, in five minutes, I just destroyed everything. Of, yeah, um, you did. You did. That's fair. Well, we did give warning. That's because, children, I don't know what I'm talking about. And I, I was just being... You know, Uncle Scrooge. So <laughs> bit Santa humble. is very much real, and he'll be he'll be coming to <laughs> visit in a non creepy way. <laughs> well, here's the interesting thing, and this is a really interesting discussion point because Sharon and I talked about this when we were growing uh, when we were growing up, when our kids were were getting older. Like, what do we say to our kids about all these kind of things? And everybody parents very differently. We just made a decision that we wouldn't tell them a lie we were very we were just like this is what's going on this is what a lot of people believe this is what we believe and this is you know how we how we sort of dealt with it sounds like the conversation me and sal should have had so yeah that's basically <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like the conversation sal did have with you in that hallway afterwards yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah that's fine so this as is long what as we believe yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's as long as you know and one of the things i found fascinating was the chronicles of narnia so the line the witch in the wardrobe santa is in that story yeah, yeah. and uh and why I, and that because that the reason i find this fascinating is the line the witch in the wardrobe is a story about jesus uh written by c.s lewis in a in a sort of very interesting way and aslan the lion being jesus and this analogy and stuff but santa's in there which i thought was you go c.s lewis why not so all of that said uh i think we're coming to the top of the hour so uh i think all that's left for us to say is merry christmas um enjoyed that james enjoyed that yeah i think we could have gone on all night uh but that was uh really interesting stuff there thanks for putting that together and brilliant messages around hospitality welcome jesus is there for everybody and um and i guess with santa yeah 
make that make your mind up for yourself on that one. <laughs> yeah, whatever your mum and dad tells you, kids, go have the conversation with them and see what they say. Uh, but no, thank you for joining us. It's been a real uh, pleasure. So Merry Christmas to everyone. Uh, over the next few weeks, we are going to pause the What Does the Bible Say About series, and we're just going to do a few shorter services, one on Boxing Day, one on the 2nd of Jan, um, and we've got uh, Sadaf next week, who's looking at meaning and purpose, uh, telling us one of her Christmas stories, which is fab. The week after that, we've got John Farrington talking about God's promises and how that all ties in with New Year's resolutions. And then uh, we will start the week after that, the, uh, we'll kickstart again the What Does the Bible Say About series by looking at what does the Bible say about new beginnings, which is always interesting at the start of the new year. So make sure you join us for that. Make sure you subscribe and like and do all those kind of things so you get all the notifications uh, of what's going on. Or reach out to us via the number on the screen if you would like to get in touch that way. It'd be great if you've got any prayer requests, anything that we can help you with pastorally, do get in touch. We do love to hear from you or via the website, via email. You can ask your questions and we will try our level best to answer them. Uh, we've, I've been having conversations today with all kinds of people around the world about prayer and all kinds of things. So come join in the conversation. We would love to hear from you. Uh, so I think that's it from us. We're going to close the live stream out with one more Christmas carol. Uh, we're going to do Joy to the World because it's always the grand finale because it's, you know, it's the grand finale Christmas carol, isn't it? It's the one you play at the end because it's cool and amazing to do so. So, uh, yeah. James, nice last little bit well, from you, bud. Well, on that song, big shout out to my, my dad and the, the, the geezers and the ladies and, and gents at um, uh, Waypoint Church. They did a flash mob yesterday in their local sort of town centre to that song. I think they got a whole load of people singing it and then they all kind of gathered together. So awesome job, Dad, for, for putting that together. Love we love you, Trevsky. Awesome. Uh, no, yeah, that's the Trev. So, no, all good from here. Happy Christmas, mate. I hope you have a great time with family and big love to everybody else out there. Have a, have a safe and healthy uh, Christmas. Absolutely. Thanks, James. And a Merry Christmas from all of us at Crowd to you. Thank you so much for being with us. God bless you. We will see you next week. John, well done for doing the technical stuff. Well done, John. You can now roll the joy to the world, Carol. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Bye for now. See you later.